Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another episode of a Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, and my co-host, Brother Brian Bean. Uh, brother, we got some exciting things coming up at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And uh, first of all, you are getting ready to wrap up myself too. Uh, semester at Lighthouse Bible Institute. How's uh, class going? Going very well. Amen. It's a lot of stuff. Doctrine class. We're doing eternal security at the moment. And I'm going through, I'm actually ahead, which is very surprising. So I'm going through every single New Testament verse that I could think of that people who don't believe in eternal security would use against us. Mm. So we're going through those and That's good. it's been a blessing. It's That's fun. Well received. Good to get those doctrines down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, very important, very vital uh, for a Christian, especially a Bible-believing Christian, obviously any Christian, uh, to know what you believe and why, according to the book. Uh, we kind of, I was thinking about mentioning this anyways, keep it in prayer. We are strongly praying about maybe opening it up next year, not this coming semester, but maybe next year. I'm already preparing for that, but uh, if you're interested in maybe your local church doesn't have a Bible Institute or you can't travel to one, we're really praying about opening up Lighthouse Bible Institute to online students, and I think that'd be good. That'd be exciting. We also have, now Brother Brian's not going to be there with us, but we have our watch night service, and I'm looking forward to that. We always uh, get together. Well, I say always, most time get together and uh, have some uh, food fellowship preaching and then uh, do a bunch of popcorn preaching. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we're going to miss you, brother, but it's going to be a good time. Yeah, that's when I go crazy and scream and yell and rant. I'm pretty composed in the pulpit, but when you give me the little time window, it's like the shackles are off and I go bonkers. That's good, though. It's like a shotgun. It's like <laughs> just everywhere. shoots everywhere. Yeah. You get a lot of information in a short amount of time, but it, it's good. I enjoy uh, just watching uh, these young teens preach. I like uh, the older men preaching, too, and I always get something from it. It's a blessing, and it's just good fellowship. Amen. I think the last thing, just thinking about what's coming up, is our Awake Bible Conference, uh, the last week of June going into, I think it only goes to July 1st this year, uh, but it's the last week of June, and got a good group of uh, preachers coming, pastors coming. Of course, we always have Brother Andrew Sluter with us. He's a blessing, and this year we're going to have Brother Gene Kim, and uh, looking forward to that. We got to see Brother Gene at uh, Victory Baptist Church in Heartland. I know we mentioned that not too long ago. Uh, but he's a blessing. And then we got Brother Dennis Knowles. I have uh, never met Brother Dennis Knowles. I've listened to plenty of his preaching. He's a great preacher. Looking forward to that. And then lastly, Brother Dilbert Terry coming back uh, from Trinity Baptist Church there in Tennessee. So uh, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, and uh, that's another time when we, uh, especially Thursday during the day and Friday, we do some popcorn preaching then. And uh, we had a Good turnout last year. A lot of folks come, even from out of state. Like and, 12 preachers or something? Yeah. And it was good preaching. Yeah. And, and uh, of course, you preached there. That was, a, that was a blessing. Did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. I always enjoy enjoy preaching, enjoy hearing preaching. 
it's all it's always a blessing we went up to brother gunther's for our sword or i, I always call it sword i don't know why iron sharpeneth iron iron sharpeneth and iron. it's it's kind of a tier it's kind of based toward the uh, teens but he, all the teens got 15 minutes some you know took five or ten but even these teens, like every, I think every single teen, there's probably eight of them maybe that preach. I got something out of it. Amen. And it's a blessing. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah, that book, <laughs> that book. Well, uh, you have brought some cards with you today, and we're going to talk about these cards just for a few moments. So, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting, but uh, why don't you uh, tell us about these cards that you have, and uh, let's kind of go through them for a few minutes. Yep, we're going to read our future. We have the Queen of Cups. and. <laughs> I was at a, a thrift store, a Catholic Charities thrift store, and I came across a deck of cards, so to speak, apologetics, Bible cards, biblical apologetics, answers to Protestants. Wow. It covers uh, Mary, tradition, papacy, works, things like that. So the objections that we would have to the Catholic Church, by the way, they are aware of them. Right. They've been aware of them for a long time, and they have answers for it. Now, their answers are very lame, not very good, but so I picked out a few goodies I'm going to use them in class and show the class when we teach doctrine class on eternal security because they have quite a few about once saved, always saved. They're aware we teach that. They know what verses we use, and they can prove us wrong. Wow. But I'm, I was going to read a few. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Let, let's see if uh, these Catholic apologetic cards convince you yeah. <laughs> that they're right and that we are wrong. So why don't you go ahead and read a couple of those. All right. Objection. For the true Christian, all sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, which we do believe. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well, their proof verse is Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, which I went over that uh, last week in doctrine class and showed them that this is one of the many verses people will use to show you you can lose salvation. And they did that. All right, this verse makes it clear that our future sins are not forgiven until we forgive. If we don't forgive our brothers, we will not be forgiven. On a total side, no, I'll give them this. At least they take the verse as it's written, unlike right. the fundamental looking forward to the cross people right. who don't know what to do with it. So they say, well, what it really means is, sure. and they don't go to the Greek. Yeah. I'll give them that. At least they believe it. Yeah. Anyway, the <laughs> future, at least they pretend to believe it. Right. The future action that is implied shows that we are not once saved, always saved. Mm. To be forgiven from our sins, we must also be repentant and confess to the priest Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> Who Jesus has empowered. Well, they quote John 20, whosoever sure. sins you remit. The idea that we are forgiven of all past, present, and future sin is unbiblical. If we think that we stand firm, take heed lest we fall. Wow. They got us. You know, uh, we won't obviously give a big yeah. theological answer, but I, I do want to discuss these because, you know, just briefly, just take a few moments, but uh, I'll just give you a couple of thoughts top of my head. And this is going to be a good segue, I believe, into this episode, and we'll get to the what we're going to discuss in just a moment. But there's so many problems with what they just what they wrote. And there's so many problems with it. First of all, of course, uh, you're not in the New Testament yet, and Jesus Christ hadn't died yet. Um, and obviously, you're at the Sermon on the Mount, and you know you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, but we could go on and on. Any other thing you just want to blatantly throw out there that just shows why that's just ridiculous? Other than what I just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, like you said. Um... Well, I was telling the class just kind of a two, three minute general overview on dispensationalism because right. we cover it so much. They should be familiar with it. But we don't just say, well, Matthew's not for us. Hebrews isn't for us. Well, how about love your brother? That's that's for us. Amen, amen. In Leviticus, it says love your neighbor as yourself. That's in the Old Testament. That's yeah. for us. Thou shalt not kill. That's for us. So you don't just say, well, that's not for us. That's not for us. 
it's not for us, but you should know why it's not for us. Right. But I was showing him how Romans 15, 8, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And Paul said, because my Catholic uncle, I he, he quoted me Matthew 25, mentioned this before, judgment of nations and how you have to do good works to enter, to go to heaven. And that I'm wrong about it's not of works. And I said, well, Paul said this. Yeah. And he's like, well, who are you going to go with? I said, I'm going to go with Paul. And he audibly laughed like, why would you go with Paul over Jesus? Well, that kind of makes sense. That's what the sure, Catholic is saying. Sure. Well, they're not bringing up Paul, but you do go with Paul over Jesus. Right. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, Amen. while Paul, Romans 15, 16, says that he is a minister of the uncircumcision, and he's the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Jesus Christ's will was that Paul preaches a different message and Amen. delivers a different message to the church, the Gentile body of Christ. As opposed to Jesus Christ, Romans 9 says to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and of whom he is God over all and all that kind of thing. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I would say. It's a Sermon on the Mount. It's Old right. Testament. Amen. It has application doctrinally in the millennium Amen. or in the tribulation about plucking your eye out and enduring to the end. That's Matthew 24. But yeah, that's why it doesn't apply to us. Amen. And that's the thing. I mean, you have to rightly divide the word of truth. We're going to get into that uh, here shortly. But this whole idea... This whole even premise of like, well, who are you going to go with, you know, Jesus or Paul? It clearly demonstrates that you showed him that there's a contradiction. And now in his mind, he has to choose his loyalty, right? Right. I either, I, I'm either loyal to Jesus or I'm loyal to Paul. And on a very humanistic, superficial level, I understand why he said, well, I got to go with Jesus, right? But, but the question is a faulty question. They're not opposed one to another, as you just explained. Well, if they are, then throw the Bible out. Exactly. What is the point of the Bible? But but this is the point. If you don't rightly divide the word of truth, mm -hmm. then they are they opposed. Do. And so I think that just his his question shows, obviously, his lack of understanding. But it also reveals the importance of why you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Otherwise, Paul does contradict Jesus Christ. Right. And so, anyways... Uh, but uh, yeah, so that uh, whole thing is ridiculous. It's just a failure to rightly divide the word truth. And obviously, a lot of these are going to be that. And some of them are just going to be religious traditions. But let's let's move on. What else do we got here? Yeah, I would say uh, to that, Colossians 2, we're spiritually circumcised. Our sins have been removed. The soul and the flesh have been cut loose. Right. And 1 John 3, which in doctrine class, going over eternal security, I gave him a bunch of reasons why I can't lose salvation. Amen. First John says, I cannot sin from his seed remaineth in me. I can't sin. That's right. And I have no sin. So they're wrong. Past, present, future. Like First Corinthians 6 about Paul gets into different sins and he says, such were some of you. Right. Well, they were doing those things. Amen. So Christians sin, but we're not liars because liars go to the lake of fire. I lie all the time, but I sin all the time. Sure. I try not to lie all the time, but I do lie. We all lie since we've been saved, I'm sure. But we're not liars and we're sinless. Amen. So they're wrong. And sometimes a lie is just not telling the whole truth, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I so, lie all the time then. Right. That's, and sometimes <laughs> a lie is an exaggeration. Uh, but anyways, hey, yeah. I, I was just coming to your defense, brother. Okay. <laughs> you know, my point is, in, in the very strictest sense, you know, we have a tendency to not tell the truth, <laughs> you know, because that's in our human nature. And, you know, Paul says in Romans 8, who shall separate us from love of, of God, which yeah. is in Christ Jesus. And, and the point is, nothing can separate us once you're in Christ Jesus, once you're saved. And, of course, uh, so, yeah, we could go on and on and on about why they're wrong, but they're wrong. And all you need to do is open the Bible, rightly divide it, study the word of truth. Uh, why don't you hit some more of those? All right, objection. The Bible is the only book we need. I would agree with that. Yeah, man, that's a good statement. <laughs> Their proof verse, John 21, 25, 
but the earth itself cannot contain all the books. If the Bible was intended to be an all-inclusive handbook of how the church should operate, be structured, and teach a Christian all they must know, which I would say it is, yeah. well, here's their objection. Why doesn't one find the method or ceremony about how to get married in it? <laughs> That's a great point. I guess they're right. I guess we... Wow, uh, what an objection. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Especially since marriage is a union God established between man and woman. The marriage ceremony is, in fact, a tradition which has been passed down through generations relatively unchanged, beginning with the Catholic Church. Other churches simulate it. Beginning with the Catholic Church. So <laughs> before the Catholic Church, no one was getting married. No, no. one had the ceremony correctly. Or, right. You know, that's just absurd. How, how about simply that the ceremony has is not the marriage <laughs> and uh, also too just the idea that there is no ceremonies in the bible is ridiculous um so i mean i thought i read about jesus going to a wedding now again i think they're talking about every detail that they do and how they perform it but now what you have to do is put them as authority of how you even have to do a wedding right because if you don't do it to their tradition then i guess your <laughs> ceremony's wrong <laughs> so i don't know My, i would say and you I know I, I I give overstatements, but that tells me that God doesn't care about it. Right, right. No. <laughs> like how you do the exact, that, that we have the liberty to kind of do Amen. it however we want to the glory of God. Like you must have this person come down the aisle and you sure. must, it's not a big deal. Yeah, well said. And, and uh, I actually approach weddings that way. Matter of fact, I approach a lot of things that way. <laughs> Funerals and, you know, um, this year I've preached more funerals than I'd like. But, you know, you go to some of these funeral homes and they got all these religious terms for everything and half the time i don't even know what they're talking about and you know i just i always go to the family and say what do you want <laughs> you know obviously in regards to the order of service if they want someone to speak if they don't um even in regards to like a wedding i you know i'll go to the the couple and say well how do you want to do this do you want to light the candles do you want to you know use the ropes the three ropes and you know all the things because at the end of the day it's just their preference um, we got scripture, what God talks about, what a marriage is and what a marriage isn't. As long as they're fulfilling that, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go on to the next one. All right. The Bible is all we need. Second Timothy three, 16 and 17. Is there objection to the Bible is all we need? Wow. Catholics agree with what this verse is saying, but don't take it to the extreme that some non-Catholics do. It says that scripture is useful, not necessary. <laughs> Well, all scripts given by inspiration, profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, struggling that the man got made perfect. Yeah. They, well, they're quoting other, yeah, equipped to every good work. Okay, reading on. The Bible alone concept is not supported by this verse, even though many may try to make a case for it. The Bible is a collection of letters and accounts of what happened throughout Bible history. It is useful, underlined, but it is not an all-inclusive handbook for being a Christian or running a church. Wow. Um, obviously, one of the big errors is the verse they quote in there is not even correct and uh you know obviously you, you quoted it verse 17 i just want to emphasize that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works that sounds like that's pretty self-sustaining to me um they they of course just give you their thoughts on it and um again what that re reveals to me is that the catholic at least who wrote this thinks this is just you know good lessons and hmm. things you can learn from but really you need the church what they would call the church right <laughs> yeah all right yep another one and they point out which i can't read them i, I have read them all but they get on tradition and they use uh, bible verses that 
mention tradition, sure. which tradition is totally fine. Yeah, amen. But our our answer to them and our problem with them is, okay, you bring up a point with the marriage ceremony or what tradition is about, right. whatever. But if it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's from hell. Amen, amen. So whatever is needed beyond the Bible, it isn't you guys. Right, amen. <laughs> it's right. like right. Doc in church history, the very first class, I think he, he drew a chart from the church when it first started and he drew a sheep on the dry erase board. And then at the end, and he said the Catholic Church can trace itself. It's probably two, three hundred years after Christ, but they'll try to go back all the way to Peter, of course. But then he draws a line, and then at the end of it, today he draws a dragon. Mm. And he's like, if the whatever church, the oldest and best, you know, the oldest yeah. church or whatever. Well, now it's Leviathan. So you you look at it, it's a dragon, it's a whore, right. it's leading people to hell. And you look at it now, well, I know what that is. That's not sure. a church. Maybe right whatever verses they can use or whatever uh, church fathers they can quote to show they go back to 300, 200, 250, whatever. Like, well, now it's a dragon. I know that whatever I need the outside of the Bible, which isn't hardly anything, Amen. it's not them guys. That's Yeah, that's the truth. You can bank on that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, again, what it does is keeps people in religion. It binds them to religion. And, you know, just you talking about tradition, uh, I think – most of the time in the Bible, when it talks about religion or tradition, excuse me, especially when the Lord is rebuking the Pharisees and Sadducees, the key there is when your traditions make the Word of God a non-effect. Mm. And so basically your traditions say this, but the Bible says this, but yet you still choose to go with your traditions. That's when it's straight from the pits of hell and it uh, makes the Word of God non-effect. But I believe, and maybe you know the reference or maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think Paul talks about tradition once about uh, at least, you know, he talks about committing those things that have been taught to you, to others. And I believe there is a, a you know, a reference to tradition that's not in the negative sense, but nevertheless. No, the there is. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a few of them and they point that out. Like tradition's good. And, Correct. Right. Well, Paul wasn't teaching those traditions. <laughs> yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> uh, so the whole point is, yeah, there's, there's most things we do, um, order of service and when we have service and a midweek service and, you know, different things, all of that does come from traditions, but there's nothing wrong with those traditions. They don't make the word of God a non-effect. Right. The problem is when your traditions do, and a lot of the Catholic traditions do make the word of God a non-effect. Yep. But uh, no, those are good. I, I think those will be uh, interesting, uh, you know, to give to the class and, you know, show that the Catholic church, they do have apologetics. Like you mentioned before we started, they've been doing this for hundreds of years. Although I'm not impressed by their answers. Yeah. <laughs> There's lame. some worse ones. Yeah. Two more. Yeah, go ahead. All right. The Holy spirit will guide each Christian in understanding the Bible. The verse they use against is Acts 8, 30, 31 with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. If the Ethiopian eunuch, who was most likely wealthy and well-educated, couldn't understand by just reading the scriptures, then how are we to understand without help from an official teaching authority, the church? The guaranteed guidance of the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles and to the church. Wow. <laughs> Not to each individual believer. Okay. The church is made up of believers, but it is the teaching function of the church that correctly instructs the faithful. Wow, so many problems with that one. So many. Why don't you give your thoughts first, and I'll, I've been kind of commenting first. But uh, go ahead and give your thoughts first on that, and maybe I'll throw a few remarks in afterwards. Right, then how are we to understand without help from an official teaching authority, the church? Number one, the guy wasn't saved. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a <laughs> big thing to point out, right? Yeah, he was lost. <laughs> right. And he did, because of that, he also did not have the Holy Spirit, which if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
which will lead and guide you in the truth. In First Corinthians 2, it, yeah. Mr. Catholic, it is for all Christians, not just the apostles. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And so what they do is, and this is what all um, heresy, and I don't want to just throw that word around because, you know, everyone's a heretic nowadays if yeah. you agree with them. But yeah. no, no, Catholics, Catholics are heretics and at least the official church teaching. I do know I had a, a neighbor who got saved later in life and you probably asked him because he was in his 80s. He probably considers himself still a Catholic. So I'm not talking about every member. I'm talking about the teachings, the church itself. And it is heresy. Um, I say that unapologetically. They're, they're, they're heretics. They're damning souls to hell. Um, but the problem with heresy and false teaching is there's usually little elements of truth there, right? So obviously the lie is that, that the Holy Spirit is not sufficient and he won't guide you in all truth. When the Bible clearly says he will and he is, and obviously they use examples of lost men, as you pointed hmm. out. Um, but the little element of truth there is God does give gifts and callings to men and God does use the local church and God does use preachers and teachers to help folks understand the word of God. So they mix that little bit of truth with what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's still more than sufficient on his own with the word of God. So that's usually how lies are propagated. You get a little bit of truth in there, a little bit of verse misconstrued, and then mm -hmm. deny clear verses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyways, one more. Last one. For the true Christian, the Bible alone is the pillar of truth. They quote 1 Timothy 3.15, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. For the Catholic, the pillar of truth is the church. Okay, I'll take the Bible. You can have your church. Yeah, amen. Paul does not tell Timothy to consult or read scriptures to seek the truth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. The scriptures do, in fact, contain the true word of God, but we must turn to the church for an infallible interpretation of the revealed truth found in scripture. And they give 10 verse. Oh, wait, they give zero verses. Of, right, right. Of course, because <laughs> it doesn't say that. If we read the scriptures in concert with the church, we will see truths in God in God revelation. So God's revelation, I guess we are not underlined to interpret scripture in isolation, but with the church. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's just a whole bunch of nonsense. I'll just say that. Um, this will kind of lead into our topic that we're going to get into on this episode, but in second Timothy chapter three, verse 15, this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says that, and that from a child, Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Obviously, Paul was confident that scriptures alone could lead one to salvation. And again, that truth just goes on and on. Um, so just, just absolutely ridiculous answers. But there you go. That's the Catholic apologetics. Final thoughts on, uh, on, on the... <laughs> what do you say right That's good yeah yeah so uh well i'm excited to get into this subject at hand and we're actually going to discuss at least one more episode probably a couple more we'll see how it goes but we're going to do a series on fundies ruckmanites and hypers so uh we're gonna hit all the the sex all the groups all the camps however you want to say it and uh so i think this this subject is going to be very important we're going to finally get to our emphasis on the hypers but i wanted to begin with the three kind of groups and let's just say for sake all three of these groups are king james only right and i understand you can probably find 
in the fundies, some that are not. You you won't find Ruckmanites that are not, not, not that I know of, because they wouldn't be Ruckmanites. Um, but I, shockingly, I did hear, and I, I want to be careful, because I know on these uh, subjects, people will accuse you of being slanderous, and I don't want to be slanderous, but I did hear from a guy who was a former mid-axe dispensationalist, I was watching a video on him, and he said that there are several of them that are using new versions, and I didn't know that. But uh, I don't know a lot about their position. Most that I've ever heard or read after or seen their charts, they seem pretty strong King James uh, men. So maybe who he is referring to is the exception. But uh, kind of looking at this group, these three groups, I want to discuss them and tell you what they believe and then hopefully show you our position where we're at. So, Brother Brian, why don't, why don't we start with the fundies? <laughs> why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, go in and tell us just your thoughts? We're just going to have a conversation about these three groups. Just your thoughts on maybe an overview, right? We're not going to get every doctrine, just an overview in regards to the approach. We'll focus on the approach of how they study the Bible. That's going to be our emphasis. All these groups, how they study the Bible um, and how they approach the Scripture. So, one last statement before I turn over Brother Brian to kind of start our dialogue on the fundies is I chose these three groups very specifically for a reason. Fundies, if you <laughs> talk to fundies, they, they don't have any problem. Uh, if you say, well, you're a fundamental Baptist, they, they don't have any problem with that. They, now, of course, we call them fundies as a little bit of a slight and a little bit of a joke. Um, but they embrace that, you know, so the uh, same thing like with, you know, a Ruckmanite. Now we would call ourselves Bible believers. We don't go around champion the term Ruckmanite. But the reason I shied away from calling Bible believers, because all three groups would claim to be Bible believers. I do believe that. Um, but so we'll, we'll take the title Ruckmanite. Um, and some folks, uh, you know, they would call us Ruckmanites, even though we don't call ourselves that. But I'll just say this. You can call me Rockmanite. I'm not offended by it. I know what you mean, and and if you mean that uh, I, you know, graduated from PBI or I teach the vast majority of what Dr. Rockman teaches, or if it simply means that I believe the King James Bible word for word, street then, preach, yeah, street preach, then hey, then I'm a, then I'm a Rockmanite. So, but I wanted to take the slanderous term, right? Fundy would be the slanderous term. Rockmanite would be the slanderous <laughs> term, and then hypers. Anytime you call folks hypers, they don't like it. So I use the slanderous term in all three. So I just wanted to put that out there. But a label is simply just something that categorizes what you believe. That's why I'm labeling them hypers. We'll get more into the detail what that means, why we call them hypers. But uh, they drink a lot of sugar and caffeine. Well, they they They're hyper. If that's the case, I'm not, hyper. <laughs> yeah, not the sugar and the caffeine, but brother, you would be considered hyper. Oh, oh yeah. No, uh, I, but uh, yes. But anyways, so I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I just want to say the point of putting these these labels, these terms on people, is not a slight at them. It's just simply to help you understand you got this group of people, they believe this, you got this group of people, they believe this, and you got this group of people, and they believe that. And so that's why we got them in these categories. Now, hypers, as we'll get to in a moment, we're, I'm going to divide them into two camps because I really believe there are. You got the mid acts. And then you got the Acts 28. I would call the Acts 28 ultra dispensationalists. Hmm. And the others, the mid-Acts, I would call hyper dispensationalists. So I've done enough talking. Why don't you give us maybe any thoughts about that and then get into uh, the fundies? My thoughts, if if that would offend you or whatever, 
get over it. Right. Re- repent. Humble yourself. Yeah. Bible says only by pride cometh contentions. And Amen. Great peace are they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Yeah, I don't care if somebody calls me that or right. Amen. Whatever. That's just how it is. But so you want to talk about the fundies or? Yeah, yeah. But let me interject this. I mean, we've been called hypers plenty of times, right? Oh yeah, to a fundy because they don't divide at all. Right. And they're going to call us a hyper. Right. Because they think they're dispensational just because they hear the word and think it sounds smart or something. They don't have any clue what it means. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're dispensational. Therefore, we're hyper. Right. So. And I do know this in Christianity. If you have, you know, one less conviction than the next guy, then all of a sudden you're a liberal. Yep. Or if you have one more conviction, all of a sudden you're a Pharisee or legalistic, right? Yep, that's it. And so that's not the purpose of putting these labels on. It's just to help people understand there is difference in the teachings. And so, yes, we would be accused of being hypers by the fundies because, obviously, as you said, they call themselves dispensationalists, but we and the hypers would say they don't rightly divide at all. Uh, so yeah, let's transition that. Let's just, how would your typical independent fundamental Baptist Christian preacher, when they approach the scripture, again, talking about their system of theology, subject of dispensational rightly dividing, how would they approach it? Yeah, I was at a fundamental Baptist church in Toledo. And he was a high, I don't know if he graduated, but he went to Hiles, liked Hiles, all that kind of thing. And uh, I was there several years knowing about Ruckman and just started getting the King James and all that kind of thing. But I would say, first of all, everybody is a dispensation. Absolutely. If you're not, and I was telling the class this when I gave an overview on why Matthew is not for us or why Hebrews right. isn't for us. I said, unless you go to Jerusalem with your sacrifices and you appear three times a year yeah. at Passover, at the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles, and then you build booths and dwell on them for seven days, nobody's doing that. And not a Catholic doesn't do it. A Methodist right. doesn't do it. A fundamental Baptist doesn't do it. N- none of us do it. So you rightly divide that. And unless you abstain from eating pork and eating lobster and eating shrimp, yeah. we all understand that's not for today. Why? It's in the Bible. Well, you sure. rightly divide that. You understand that was done away. Amen. So everybody is a dispensationalist. So I would say a fundamental Baptist would recognize that right. as a lost person would also recognize that. Sure. It's not some great accomplishment. Okay. The, obviously the priesthood's done away. The sacrifices are done away. We can eat whatever foods we want. We don't have to observe feast and the, the new moons and the Sabbaths. Other than that, I don't know what they would divide. I think they would understand that's not for today. Everything else in math, when you're reading Matthew, you're reading the New Testament, it's for today. They don't understand how to explain what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. They don't know how to explain unless you confess your sins. You know, if you forgive men, they don't know how to explain that. They're going to spiritualize it or say, I don't know what it means or what it really means is this or endure to the end. Well, if you really are saved, you'll endure. They don't, under, they don't divide that. So they think everything is for the church. Right. When they read the Psalms, that is for the church. Yeah. When they read Second Chronicles 7, 14, yeah. if my people, which that's not only for the church, it's for the USA, because of course that's what David meant in 1000 BC. America, if you read Solomon in Second Chronicles. So they would just apply everything. Sure. I'm assuming they know Revelation is not to the church, but I don't know if they're going to doctrinally apply verses on Revelation. They think everybody was saved in the Old Testament by looking forward to the cross, just like we're saved today by looking back to the cross. Nobody could lose salvation. Nobody had to hold on and endure to the end. The works of the law, the sacrifices had nothing to do with salvation. It's just physical blessings and that kind of thing. So it's a really shallow, basic, lame understanding of the Bible. And that's why their sermons and their preaching is a lot of expository and it's going to be the same three, four, five subjects. Absolutely. And you're not going to get, it's just a lot of milk. You're not going to get a lot of doctrine. Of course, some of them love the Lord and they're doing good work. They support missions. Yeah. And they go door knocking. Brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. They're not our enemies. 
you know and again this is the whole point we're just kind of giving the overview i think most fundamental baptists friends of mine other preachers out there would probably concur maybe there was a one little word you misrepresented or one little thought you misrepresented but for for the most part that's true they believe in the old testament they you know that the those jews were looking forward to the cross they don't have a verse for it because it's not in the bible um, they think the disciples were looking forward to the cross. And, There's plenty you know, of verses that say it's impossible. Yeah, well, that's why. I oh, and they're brighter. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm going to read yeah. one right here. Right. And uh, so the point is, they weren't looking forward to the cross. The, those that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ weren't looking for the cross. Peter rebuked Jesus for saying he was going to die, and Jesus called him Satan. Uh, <laughs> but real quick here in Luke chapter 18. And, and just kind of show a little bit of the error of their way and why we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Luke 18, 31, it says, Then he took unto him the twelve. <laughs> if anyone would know the tw truth, it would be the twelve. And said to them, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. That sounds like the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, pretty clearly. But look what it says in verse 34. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, mm. neither knew they the things which were spoken. So obviously, Brother Brian, they weren't looking forward to the cross. They weren't preaching the cross. It was hit from them. They didn't understand it. I think it's seven times as you're reading through the Gospels, it clearly states this over and over again. But yet, that's how they would approach the Scripture in regards to salvation. Everyone's saved the same way. Old Testament, apostles and all of them, they're looking forward to the cross. Everyone after the cross is looking back. So I think your summary of the fundies, as we would call them, is very accurate. Um I've even heard some shy away. I know you said they would embrace dispensationalism, but I have some uh, funny friends and they even shy away from that term, although it's a biblical term, <laughs> it's in the Bible. Yeah. I've been in some of their churches where they did a, a study, a series on rightly dividing. That's interesting. But I wonder how that went. <laughs> yeah, they know some things right. to divide, I'm sure. sure. And like you said, they, <laughs> they'll divide. Obviously, most fundies are pre-trib. Most fundies believe in a literal second advent and you know, pre-millennial. So they, they do rightly divide some, um, but not much. <laughs> so that that's a good summary of the fundies. And I forgot to mention a lot of, yeah. most of them are briders. Yeah. There's a good portion that are. Yeah. That the church, the local church is the bride of Christ and you must be baptized to be a member of the, the bride of Christ is the body of Christ is the local church. It's all the same thing. So you have to be baptized in water to become a member of the bride slash body slash local church. They're all the same. But not just nonsense. baptized. You have to be baptized by a Baptist. <laughs> right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, right. and, and we'll, we'll get into that and talk probably a whole thing on. That's a good episode. Just talk about briders and why that's wrong. We will get into the uh, body of Christ and the bride later on when we get into the hypers because they obviously go too far the other way. That's hence their name, hypers. <laughs> you know, I they've earned they don't it. Like it. <laughs> yeah, they've earned it. Amen. <laughs> All right, so let, let's shift away. Um, I think most people who study the Word of God and are serious about the Scriptures, they follow along with the uh, with the fundies, right? They understand what the typical IFB church teaches in regards to these things. And uh, so let, let's move on to what they would call 
the Ruckmanites. And let's just stay plainly. Again, I'll embrace that. If you call that a slander, I'll embrace that. That would be my position. That's my camp. That's who I fellowship with. That's who I preach with. That's I graduated from Dr. Ruckman's school. I love Dr. Ruckman. Uh, I will just say this before I turn over to you to give some comments, maybe give a summary of what a Ruckmanite is. But if a Ruckmanite means that I got to believe everything that Dr. Ruckman believed and teach everything that Dr. Ruckman taught, then I'm not a Ruckmanite, right? But Doc never taught us to do that. Doc taught us to use the book as the final authority. Uh, so anyways, let's talk about the Ruckmanite crowd. We call ourselves the Bible-believing crowd, but the slanderous term would be the Ruckmanites. How, how would you view or how would you explain to someone who maybe doesn't know much about rightly dividing the word of truth, how would you explain to them our position to give a brief overview of how we would approach the scripture? Unrightly dividing or other yeah, things? Uh, just kind of in general, rightly dividing the emphasis, but just, just in general. Just yeah, in general, most almost all of us are street preachers, amen, which amen. so is almost all the people in the Bible, but right. besides that, <laughs> we, uh, King James, we're obviously, Dr. Robinson's considered the greatest defender of the King James Bible, so amen. we would go along with that. But on rightly dividing the word of truth, we understand that the church started with Acts 2, which Amen. we'll get to more of that later. Right. Paul is our spokesman. We stick with Paul, but we don't hyper it and just only emphasize Paul. Dr. Ruckman taught and preached all 66 books of the Bible. They all apply unless they go against Paul. Paul is our spokesman. We rightly divide pre-trib pre-millennial right. nobody looked forward to the cross that Amen. is nonsense in the old testament they went to a different place abraham's bosom right. their sins weren't taken away their sins were forgiven but they weren't taken away it's not possible the blood of bulls and goats right. to take away sin amen so yeah. i'm sure i forgot some things no, but no, no, that's i would good say summary. that i would just like to add so and i know you mentioned but this is kind of really going to be the focus of our study and this is what i want to point out you did mention that obviously Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, and we do understand that the doctrine for the church is written by Paul, but what we would say is the general epistles, they also contain plenty of doctrine that would not contradict Paul, and therefore that doctrine would be for the church also. Um, I don't want to dive into this a lot yet because this is an overview, yeah. but just like confessing sins, we believe as Bible-believing Ruckmanites, that a Christian should confess their sins. Now, we mentioned um, about how all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, but <laughs> lest we go down that rabbit trail, I'd, I'd point you back to the podcast that we did on will sin be at the judgment seat of Christ. We right, talked about same argument. Death, mm -hmm. Right, and so just a quick summary on that. You just have to read the context, and obviously we know the context of confessing sin uh, is in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was listening to a gentleman. He was interviewing a mid-acts guy. He was a young guy, and he was trying to say, well, that contradicts what Paul wrote about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with that, Brother Brian, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir, First John is not talking about for fel uh, is not talking about for salvation. The context of First John chapter one is fellowship, and so calling on or believe on Lord Jesus Christ is for salvation. Confessing sins after you're saved is for fellowship, but that doesn't contradict Paul. Uh, why don't you give us some more thoughts just on that little tidbit about confessing sins? Yeah, 
a lot of these hypers know the Bible and some of these right. pastors really know the book, but I, it's like they've never read these passages. They're just repeating what other people say. Sure. Read First John 1. The context clearly is not salvation. Right. I, like, have you ever read First John? Or they're reading it in the lens of their hyper teaching. And, and I think that's And they're blinded it. or something. Right. First John, little children, I write these things on you because your sins are forgiven. Right. That's not a lost person. Yeah. And then, <laughs> That's ridiculous to present that as salvation. All of 1 John is written to save people. It's written to born-again people who know they have eternal life, whose sins are forgiven, right. who will get a new body at the rapture, 1 John 3, verse 1 and 2. It kind of sounds like Paul. Right. But yeah, like you said, that doesn't contradict one thing of Paul. I was arguing with the hyper about this. Right. And he's like, well, where did Paul say it? I said, well, how does it go against Paul? And I, and I, I summed it up. I said, you know what the difference is, brother? My here's how I look at it, and I know you're the same. Right. If it doesn't go against Paul, it's for y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But the hyper would say, unless Paul specifically said it, it's not for me. Correct. That's a hyper. You might be a hyper if you have that viewpoint. Correct. And I would say, where did Paul say you must confess your sins? My answer to that, because I can show you where Paul taught that, not right. those exact words, right. is show me where Paul used the word hell. The word That's hell good. occurs 54 times, 31 old, 23 new. Right. You know how many times Paul used it? Zero. Therefore, there's no hell. Right. You know how many times Paul say born again? Zero. Okay, so, so born again is not for the well, church. Well, they would agree with that. No, that yeah, I, I know, but I'm saying they would agree with that. But of course, we'll get into that and show you why. But that's, that's what they want. Paul. Show me where it's like the Jehovah's Witness. Show me where Jesus said, "I am God." Well, I can't, so Jesus wasn't God. You and got the, me. Right, and that's what that's the, the Bible's written. Muslims do too. Show me where Jesus says I'm God. Well, he doesn't. He <laughs> says I am. You know, <laughs> and I they stone he. him because he claimed to be God. Right, exactly. The Jews understood he was claiming deity. Yeah, yeah. So it's absurd. It is absolutely absurd to think that you have to have a verse that says these words. Therefore, it's not true. And your example about hell is spot on. So again, many of the hypers are going to be following us. They know exactly what we're talking about. Maybe we've less left the fundies in the dust, and maybe maybe they're already <laughs> left the conversation. Uh, yeah, but really, they really, can't keep up. Right, really, the appeal, though, and, and the. My heart of this is to really uh, reach those, or at least have those that are, we would consider hypers to consider these things, because a lot of them are, they seem like really genuine and good men. They study the Word of God. They're saved. And man, I've listened to some of their preachers and teachers, uh, most of it's teaching, but uh, they uh, they got, you know, they study the Word of God and they're, they're you know, they're genuine. Um, but I think they've got so far in a system that they've left the scripture, and I hope they see that. So I wonder how they would answer that regards, just this one point. And maybe if you're watching this and you hold a mid-Acts position or you're a, a ultra uh, dispensationalist, you hold an Acts 28 position, how do you answer that in regards to what we just said, that First John is in regards to fellowship, has nothing to do with salvation, and we understand that Paul didn't pen those words, but he also didn't pen the words about hell. So please answer, do you believe in hell for a lost person in this dispensation? Does a person who dies without Christ go to hell? If so, where does Paul say that? Hmm. And if you do believe in hell, how does how does confessing your sins for fellowship contradict anything that Paul wrote? Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. Um, we covered it in, with the judgment seat of Christ. Right. But Paul talked about when you sin, you sin against God. Right. When you sin against the brethren, you can sin against Christ. You can sin against the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 7, Paul talks about um, repenting of your sins. And when you do, it's cl it clears you. And I, I don't know if you, you might agree with this. You might not. That verse everybody quotes for a lost person, I think it's talking to saved. Godly sorrow worketh salvation to repentance, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. And the context is saved people. 
Amen. But he's telling them to repent. Yea, what clearing. Yea, what vehement desire. He talks about when you repent it. That's confessing your sins. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. When we are right. judged, we are chasing the Lord. We should not be condemned with the world. That's confessing sins. Right. Paul taught it all throughout, but he didn't use the word confess sins. And just another thing, you mentioned about reaching the people and getting them to think about it. Right. But Amen. our other concern, I'm sure you'll probably bring up, is people who are on the fence or yeah. people who are dabbling and getting their there feet a little bit wet in this hyper stuff. Our crowd, I don't know what the appeal is. Yeah. Our Other than a carnal appeal to not get preached to and just teach, 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 teach. Some of these YouTube guys won't sure. name who. That all they do is teach, 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 right. teach. You need preaching. Yeah, man. You need rebuke because you're wicked. Yeah. You need rebuke. You need exhort. You need challenge. We need to provoke one another love yeah, and the good works. All that kind of thing. Sounds you like need porn. rebuked. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's... So we want to reach the people who are kind of like watching this, these mid-ex people and kind of like, well, where did yeah. Paul say confess sins? Or maybe this isn't, or just stay away from that stuff. I don't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, once we get into, after we do this overview, we'll talk about some of the dangers, but that is, that is one of the big dangers. Um, and it will lead you down a direction that's unbiblical. Well, that's why we call them hypers. We believe they go too far. And again, the reason I brought up the confessing the sins is exactly that. I wanted to demonstrate how we as Ruckmanites or Bible believers will take even the general epistles, we'll take First John and say, no, this is doctrine to the church. Where a hyper would say, nope, it's not, has nothing to do with the church. Paul didn't write it. So that's why I wanted to use that as an example. I think, uh, again, as we get more in detail on the next episode, we'll give some more examples. But I think that's a good summary of what we believe as Ruckmanites and how we approach the scripture. Yes, Paul is the apostles, Gentiles. Yes, what he writes is the doctrine of the church. But anything in the general epistles, if it doesn't contradict Paul, then listen to me, that doctrine is for you also. And I think the word doctrine is misused anyways. Doctrine simply means teaching. You know, what does it mean? That teaching is not for you? No, I mean, there's so much in the general epistles that it, that is... You know, yeah. for the Christian. I mean, even the book of Hebrews, come yes. on. Is the blood of Christ, you know, uh, doesn't, isn't that better than the blood of bulls and goats? Doesn't, isn't that truth true for the Christian too? Of course it is. It's absurd to think it's not. I, those guys are crazy. It's just an excuse to get out of verses they don't like or understand. I quoted a guy who was talking about sin and sin of the judgment seat. And I quoted James 4, 13 or 7, 17. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him in his sins. He's like, well, that's James. Like, yeah. Oh, that's James. Okay. Yeah. And it just goes on and on. How about thou shalt not kill? That's Moses. That's not for the church. And it's that's just, the same thing. It's absurd. And, and again, so yeah, they, they will just take things. And I, well, let, let's give a summary. Let's give a summary now on the hypers. And uh, I'd like to set it up by just dividing the two camps, as I mentioned. I believe there are in what we consider hypers. And then I'll turn over you, kind of discuss them as a whole or individually, however you want. But before we continue exposing why we believe they're wrong, I want to try to give a fair representation of what they believe. And so with the hypers, you have what was known as the mid-axe hypers. That's what we'd call them. A funny thing about the mid-axe hypers, they don't even agree when it starts. Some are 9, X9, some are X10, some are X11. Um, that's why they simply call it mid-axe. <laughs> because even amongst the mid-axe, they don't, they don't uh, agree. Now, when I say Acts 9, 10, 11, they're talking about when the church started, when the body of Christ started, and they'll disagree amongst themselves. And then the other group, which for sake of this conversation and maybe help to divide the hypers into two groups, we'll call them the ultra 
hyper-dispensationalism. Like Bollinger taught that. Right. And that's the church doesn't start until after um, Acts chapter 28, basically. And so they will even limit it to like the prison epistles. Right, because Acts 28, Paul is in prison. Right. And it's prison epistles. Exactly. They think there's a clear dividing there of doctrine. Right. And so why don't you start with um, anything else you know about uh, a general overview of the hypers in general, some of the things they probably both agree with, some of them they don't, but um, some of the things that you know that they teach or believe, uh, not necessarily the error of it, but what they believe. Yeah, a big thing they don't believe is water baptism. That is not for this age. It's Jewish. It's a Jewish rite. It has nothing to do with the church. They they write, they dispensationalize water baptism out. So obviously they're not Baptist. Right. So they're grace, grace, grace. A lot of their name is grace, grace. They're all about grace, grace, grace. Grace Fellowship and Grace Bible Church. And it, that's kind of what they're going to be known as. Uh, confessing sins, are, they're against that because it's in First John. And I went right. to a Bible study with a brother in our church who has family member who hosts a hyper thing. And I went there and they all just came after me, which I love. Bring, bring them on. I'll take, I could stay up 48 hours straight, just yeah, arguing the Bible with anyone. I, I like it. But the old guy comes up to me. He's like, where does it say to confess sins? He just comes out right at it. Cause they knew who I was. And I said, first John says to confess sins. He's like, well, that's not for the church. I give him the Bible. I said, show me why that's not for the church. He's like, well, Paul didn't write it. I said, <laughs> Well, where's it say in the Bible that I can only believe what Paul wrote? Yeah. Moses said, thou shalt not kill. Is that for the church? Jesus said, love your enemies. Is that, is that like, well, what's your reasoning? Well, it's, and he's getting frustrated. Like, well, it's not to the church. <laughs> and I showed him first John five twenty where it says it's written to the body of Christ. And then he got, I don't remember what he said, but yeah, they don't, they don't believe, uh, they don't believe in confessing sins. They start the church. They do not believe the church started at Pentecost, right. which you are a heretic if you do not believe that, or that when Jesus breathed on him, I'll, I'll accept that. Sure. <laughs> um, different gospel. That's another thing. That's a big thing. We're, we're going to get in depth and come right. on podcast and destroy that. Destroy baptism. I've got 50, right. 60 verses on that. I know pastors got a lot of those. And um, confessing sins, we cover that on the judgment seat episode. Sure but also the the different apostles and when the church started. And it didn't start with Paul. That is bunk. I've got a lot of verses yeah. that show it's bunk. But they teach, pre, Peter preached a different gospel than Paul, a kingdom gospel, which is, I've got a lot of, it's total nonsense. It's just, it's just made up stuff that somebody came up with and they try to interpret the Bible just like any heresy. There's nothing in the Bible that supports this garbage. And yeah, Paul first or Paul only. Yeah. They read Paul. I compare it to a Calvinist. Sure. You know, the Calvinist points out Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Not the world, the church. Right, right. Correct. Um, for, but I love my sheep and give myself for them. See, that means he only died for the sheep because I quoted the verse. I, it says only. No, it doesn't say only. Sure. Christ loved the church only and gave himself for it. They're reading only into it to support their heresy. The hyper does that with Paul. Paul, God revealed me this. God revealed the mysteries this. And the church me. They're putting the word first in there, just like the Calvinists have put only in there. They're putting first, first, first. It doesn't say first. Paul got revelations from Jesus Christ. Correct. Right. It didn't. Paul didn't say nobody before me got any revelation, and I'm the first one that got it, and then Peter's preaching a different gospel. That's made up. That's not in the Bible. They're reading that into it. You know, absolutely. I think that's a real good summary on, you know, what they believe. And you said it well, that Peter and Paul preach a different gospel. I I would love to have a discussion someday with the hyper, and maybe you have. Now, from my understanding, again, I don't want to be slanderous, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Someone can type in there. Someone can uh, send us an email, respond back. 
But I believe when they say that, they mean continually, right, for their whole ministry, meaning just not in the few chapters in the early part of Acts. They would continue to say the whole time Peter's preaching, Peter's preaching a kingdom message to the Jews. Would that be a fair summary from what you know they believe? I th- I think so. In Galatians yeah. 2, they're saying it's a different gospel. Right, and, I, and we'll get to that. We'll probably definitely say that to next week because I had one use that. He emailed me um, after this conversation online, and there's so much problems with that when you're going to try to say, see Galatians chapter 2 shows that Peter's preaching a different gospel, <laughs> when if you just read chapter 1, it disproves what you're teaching. You know. So, But, but again, we'll, we'll kind of save that. But I don't want to misrepresent them, but I believe they believe that throughout you know peter's ministry he goes out and preaches another gospel which that is heresy i mean you can't preach another gospel in this dispensation during this time um when paul gets his full revelation and all that's going on if you preach another gospel then you're paul said to be accursed and so i mean that's ridiculous and then again the whole thing about baptism not confessing sins um i know me and you talked about this brother brian in this is why it's so much more important. Maybe we're already segueing into the dangers of it. This is why it's more it's more than just when the church started, right? If if there was a disagreement and maybe someone says, well, the church started when Jesus breathed on them, and we say no, we believe it started at Pentecost and Acts two, whatever. Yeah, it's you're talking a few day, a few weeks difference. Right. It doesn't affect anything. And and yeah, that's the whole point. Beyond the timing or how long in between, there's no doctrinal effect, right? But the reason we warn about hypers and the reason the very first day when we went to PBI in yep. introduction, you know, yep. to, to school, one of the heresies that Dr. Ruckman points out is hyper dispensationalism because it leads to not confessing sin, because it leads to rejecting water right. baptism. Don't even some reject the Lord's Supper? Yeah, it, I'm sure some of them do. I'm, I'm pretty probably, sure. Probably Just like the, the born ultra. again thing. Some do believe born again. Some don't. I, right. I did a lot of research online on them. Some believe the church is the bride of Christ. Some believe it isn't. Right. And that's that's the thing. We understand when we summarize, you're going to find something to say, well, I don't believe that. Therefore, you're misrepresenting us. It's tough because even amongst that crowd, they disagree. Like I said, when does the body of Christ start? Even for the mid-Acts folks, they're going to say nine. Some are going to say 10. Some are saying 11. So, Well, like you said, if it started at nine, which I kind of get that on the surface. Sure. Because Acts one through seven. Right is there's something going on it is right. it is different acts 3 19 offer. to 21 that's the kingdom offer Acts right. 7 kingdom offer right pentecost is not that is such a great truth that the right. church of christ and that's one of the verses that have led more people to hell than anyway is acts 238 correct they correctly identify and of course we're aware of it we don't yeah. use Acts 238 that that is a you could call it dispensational that is not a message for the church so if you say the church started with paul acts 9 just on the surface, I could say, okay, I see where you're getting that. Sure. And that's fine. But it's what that branches off exactly. into. Exactly. The, starting the church at X9 compared to X2, on the surface, if that's all it was, I think would be harmless. Right. It wouldn't be a big deal. And I, I could see that. Sure. And I know their objection why, and we'll get into that. And, yeah. But it starts off there. Okay, the church started on the X9. Do you see how X2 isn't for the body? Yes. Do you see how X3 isn't for the body? Yes. Do you see how they're preaching only to the Jews and it's kind of like a kingdom offer? You killed Jesus and you need to be forgiven as a nation. I agree. I concur. Okay, the church started with Paul. Paul's epistles. We, we're all into Paul. Okay. Right. Now, don't confess your sins. Baptism is for the church. Don't ever get preached at altar grace, 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 grace. The church. Then they come into all that. Well, then that's the danger. Exactly. And by the <laughs> way, um, just disregard all the general epistles. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And right. then, of course, you know, some of that's where the doctrine is going to be clearly taught. And and so, yeah. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. And the devil is subtle. 
very not that they're the devil but many no. saved people can teach heresy and be used of the devil in a way to teach heresy so yeah absolutely and, and again so i was going to give a couple examples but but i think i'll save those because next podcast that's what we're going to do we're we're not going to focus on the fundies if you want us to do a whole episodes on the fundies um let us know we, we will but i don't think there's much desire or appeal for that what i mean by that is there's a lot of good save bible i'm sorry brethren that are fundamental baptists and praise the lord for them a lot of them are doing good works praise the lord for that um, but they are not the purpose of this podcast i just wanted to give the three uh, divisions. So you have the fundies over there. You have in the middle, which I believe is our crowd, which they would call us Ruckmanites. We call ourselves Bible believers. And then you have the hypers. In the hypers, you have your mid-axe hypers, and then you have your Acts 28, which we'll call ultra dispensationalists. But we hope at least that we showed you that there is different approaches in these camps. And I truly believe that on most issues, brother, if you're in the middle, you're closer to where God wants you. The Bible says a false balance is abomination to the Lord. And you'll see this so much in Christianity is the extremes are usually where the error is. So the extreme on the left would be the fundies. No right, no division, although they'll claim they do. But really, there's no division. Well, that's an extreme. The denial that the disciples, you know, weren't preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. That's an extreme and clearly unbiblical. But then on the other side, which is extreme, is the hyper-dispensationalist, the over-dividing. And we hope through next podcast at least, but probably two, that we show you where the hypers, the mid-acts and the Acts 28s do over-divide, where they do go outside of Scripture. And we're going to deal with subjects like water baptism. We're going to deal with subjects confessing sins, although we kind of talked about that today. We'll deal with subjects about the general epistles and the truths they have and uh, other topics in regards to that. So we're right about an hour, about 57 <laughs> minutes, time flies. So why don't you give us some kind of closing thoughts, maybe a little thing what you're leaning towards next podcast or whatever you want, brother, in closing thoughts. Yeah, they get a lot of things wrong. A lot of it would be any of the verses where Paul talks about the church and how the church started and when the church started and upon whom, whatever you were, the church starts. And it's never him. Right. It's the apostles. It's the prophets Absolutely. built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ being the cornerstone and the apostles, plural. Right. Not talking about, well, he's including Peter, James, John with them. So they just can't get over that, that there's like a Jewish message and the body of Christ is still present. And biblically, you just got to get over it. Yeah, absolutely. I get the objection, but you just got to get over it because they are totally wrong. And at any time, Paul, the mystery, the revelation, he talks about as it is revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, all their great verses, Romans 16, which are great verses. We love these verses. We rightly divide. We teach them that, that Paul had all these revelations and mysteries revealed to him but he always includes the other apostles and he always ties it in with the cross, the death, burial, resurrection, Amen. Jesus Christ. He never, he never makes it start with him nowhere. Yeah. So they're just wrong on that. And we're going to get into it. And I don't know. It means verses to me are very plain when Paul references the body of Christ and when it started and the mystery and the dispensation and all the, all those words they like. And I like too. those are sure. good words, important words to understand your Bible and the mysteries and the revelation of the mystery. He always ties it back in to Jesus Christ and the apostles. He includes the apostles with him, where the hyper makes him the special apostle. 
and we'll get into it with the different gospels. Peter is preaching Paul's gospel. And I'll show you that. It's in Acts 10. He calls it the gospel. In Acts 15, they all get together and they all agree on the same message sure. with Peter, James, and John there. Right. <laughs> so I don't know where they're getting this stuff from. It's this extra biblical idea and then they, just like all the other false teachings, and they just find some verses to match it. Sure. But yeah, they're off on it. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get into those things. We're going to talk about the mystery. We're going to talk about the body of Christ. We're going to talk about the bride of Christ, because that's an interesting one, too, because uh, a lot of hypers, again, a lot, because I'm sure there's some out there that don't, that teach that the church is not the bride of Christ. And so we're going to get into all the Bible and all the verses on all those things, and we're going to show you why we believe, obviously, that we are right. And uh, we believe you should become what we call the Bible believer that they call a Ruckmanite, at least in your approach, excuse me, approach to the uh, scripture. So I want to close with this, Brother Brian. Simple illustration. You know where I'm going. Yes. Okay. Well, what, what do I have in my hand? I do not know. You have no idea. I do not. A little bag of uh, Allen wrench and some screws. But guess what? That was in my hand before I revealed it to you. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't it could, have been. It have been, right? Because you didn't know it was there. If the hyper's right, that was not in your hand until you revealed it. That's right. And uh, so they say that couldn't have been because the revelation wasn't <laughs> known yet. But obviously, it was in my hand. And so that simple illustration shows the fact something could be in effect yes. before it is revealed. I want to I leave you with this thought because I was thinking more about this. Leave the, the uh, listening and viewing audience with this thought because they try to teach and preach that it cannot be in effect until it is revealed. Well, is that true with any of the mysteries? Have you ever considered that? Is the blindness of Israel not true until it's revealed? Were they? Here's what I'm saying. Were they blind already before Paul ever penned the fact that they were blind? Because if that's the case, then Probably. they were blind yeah. before it was revealed. That's good. Think about the other mysteries. Are they not in effect before they're revealed? And I started thinking about... Well, godliness. I know. Mr. Godliness. Right, that's what I'm saying. Think about all the mysteries. He was God in Bethlehem. What, that, you mean that's not true until it's revealed? That's good. It took so, 60 years for that mystery to be revealed. Exactly. So he wasn't God until Paul wrote it. Right. So this, this absurd idea that a mystery can't be in effect until it's revealed does not hold merit with the scriptures whatsoever. Nope. And uh, so we'll leave you with that thought. Thank you again for watching another episode of the Word of a King podcast. As always, we pray that you get a blessing by this and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.